The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Merkel. Media. Kill, kill, kill the mockingbird. Welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds with your host, Sean Chris, Joel Thomas in full scuba gear. Cannonball, baby! Boom! Under the water, I'm swimming. Oh, it's a casket, and it's full of, it's full of hefts, all his hidden secret tapes, and oh my god, there's a woke aerial next to him under that sea. Brat, brat. Woo, man, there's some secrets in there, man. I'm sure those tapes... If the walls could talk. <laughs> well, you know how we like to get everything out in front. Remember, coming very, very soon, killthemockingbirds.com. Or for now, keep up with us on Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram or Van Tesla Music on Instagram, Sean Chris Music on Instagram, or Kill the Mockingbirds Telegram. We're still kind of figuring out Telegram. I don't know too much about it. But we're able to post, but we're trying to make it more of a community. We're working out the details. But until then, hop on. You no, know, hit the email. We've gotten some emails. We've gotten some great five-star reviews. And Joel, right? All they have to do right now is while we're talking, give a little five-star review, put a little brat, brat, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you got, it, you know, <laughs> add your butt cheese tight, whatever we get from you, we appreciate it. Yeah, just like Sean said, and we say every week, while you're listening to the podcast, go hit the five-star on Spotify. Our Spotify episodes, every episode we have a poll that we do a funny poll that you can do you could also talk about how you feel about the episode you go to apple podcast five star review and you can leave a dope comment and a lot of times we'll read them here on the show which i'm about to do right now we had a really dope five star review this is from air corset says shout out to the show this show is awesome. They definitely keep things interesting, and it's more of an actual conversation about topics that need to be spoken about. Definitely recommend it if you're looking for a good podcast. These guys, more than anything, keep it humble and funny, which is much needed these days. Keep up the work, guys. Thank you, Eric Corsay. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate everybody giving us five-star reviews. And again, the reason why we ask you to do this is so our podcast will get deeper in the algorithm, more people that don't have any affiliation with the show at all it will go to them if they listen to stuff like this and here's the thing we know the numbers sean we know how many thousands of people listen to our show every week if a hundred people were just like you know what i'm gonna go give a five-star review right now that would help us out tremendously go do that and go to change.org we got two great causes you can help save the homeless reptilians 
and bring back Saki Bomb. You know, you got to bring back my baby. Please go there now. It's in the show notes. Leave a cool review there as well. And last thing, because I know everybody's like, come on, man, get to the juicy details, man. We see what you're about to talk about. Get into it. But also check out our music, Joel Thomas, Sean Chris, all music streaming platforms. That means everything. So you can see the links at the bottom below to find all of our stuff. Go to the link tree. Without further ado... You ready to follow that white rabbit? Yeah, man. Let's follow the real white rabbit. Which we're talking about Hugh Hefner today and Playboy, which Playboy is one of the most recognized symbols of free sex, of sexual revolution. You know, most people, when they think of Hugh Hefner, they look at him as as a huge idol. I don't know how many rappers talked about him, how many sports athletes wanted to be him, how many celebrities were friends with him, how many politicians were also friends with him. I mean, this guy was looked at as a mogul in an industry that wasn't even really an industry yet. And porn wasn't even a thing like it is now, like until he came along and he basically started this whole sexual revolution. And on the surface, you hear him in interviews, he's very intelligent. He knows what he's talking about. He makes it seem like it's a good thing. Hey, here are these women. We're helping them liberate themselves. But when you get past that surface layer and you start digging into like who Hef really was, who were the people around Hef, what was really being ran out of the mansion and side mansions, which we're going to get into today too. The CIA is going to get drug into this one. MK Ultra Monarch Programming is going to get drug into this one banking is going to get drug into this one even a little soros is going to get drug into this one so for people that don't know about hugh hefner and how he changed the game literally we're going to get into all that today uh, too bad i didn't have that cue when you said soros of the remember that no, yeah, I agree. It's like one of the biggest brands in the world. When you see that logo, you know exactly what it's for. Just like when you see like a Ford, a Chevy, McDonald's, you see the arches, you know what that's about. And you're right. They painted him as this almost hero, this uh, feminist, this dude that's empowering women and giving them all this. But really, it's like anything when you really peel back the curtain, it's pretty rotten. And, you know, when Playboy was started, like, I didn't realize because, you know, we're not as old. We were in the 60s and stuff. So I didn't really, I kind of heard of them, but I didn't realize that there was these Playboy clubs. Like, you know what I mean? Where they had their actual bunnies and that's where, like, they had them. And I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. I see, like, where it all falls together. And that's really where he got most of his influence, where he really got a lot of, like, people like, hey, man, go. every famous person was at these clubs. The first one was in Chicago, I believe. I believe one of the first ones was like in Chicago where people would go to these clubs. The women would be dressed as the bunny rabbits with the infamous ears and the bunny tail. But when you went to this club, and if it was like me or you, Joel, you know, we'll be the schlubs like, ah, yeah, you know, we go wherever. But if you were somebody, got like a golden 
credit card type thing. And they also had like this like Playboy key. You had a Playboy VIP card and key that pretty much gave you access to everything in that building. And now women have the the play the the bunnies were not allowed to associate or not supposed to associate with the customers unless they were VIPs and then it was encouraged. It was like, yeah, you know, just like go see what you know what they need, make sure they're good. And then they were even encouraged and allowed to date these customers because they were big, you know, big time celebrities or somebody important. That was part of it for sure. Uh I was watching where they said that the guys would come in that weren't a part of that VIP if they even touched the the Playboy uh, bunnies, they would get kicked out. They would have their key revoked uh, to any of the clubs. So I think that was something that people didn't know either that these clubs existed. But I would even take it back further to when he started the whole Playboy revolution, and it started with a magazine, which was the very first Playboy magazine. It had Marilyn Monroe on the cover. And one thing that people don't know about that was that he figured out in 1953 that he could rent a naked picture of Marilyn Monroe for $200 from this Bumgarth calendar company. So he was super smart. He rented it, slapped it on the cover of the magazine, which he wasn't even sure that it was going to go past the first issue. He didn't even put a number on the magazine. He just literally put it out. He printed 70,000 copies and it sold out in two weeks. And that's what started his whole run into what he built, built this empire on was this magazine. And you got to think, man, there's no internet around that time. And he did it in such a classy way because he had top level writers writing, fantastic articles about all kind of, you know, progressive thinking. Of course, he had the women that were naked in there, but they were considered classy pictures. It wasn't like your penthouse or any of these other things. This was different. And the fact that he had Marilyn Monroe, who's one of the ultimate sex icons of all time, on the front cover, blew him up. But he figured out a little loophole. He was like, there's this calendar company. I can literally rent the picture. And he's like, he ran with it. And that just took off the whole thing. At that point, people were bought and sold. And then he could just really start building upon that. From there, he really, like you said, was that's when he was the voice of feminism almost. Like he's the symbol. And what we talked about before with uh, Paranoid American, how we were talking about these rich, wealthy people that are getting involved. And now it's art, right? The playboy, it's art. There's intellectuals writing articles, man. It's not just about naked women, man. It's about this movement, you know, this, then the magazine was like, man, they were the face of also like, you know, the, uh, bringing people together and, and the segregation movement. They were like the, the hip of the time that they were, what was supposed to be this revolution, not just the hippies, but everything involved with the whole rock scene. And they were part of that crowd of their making change. And they did make change. And I believe at that time, they really controlled a lot of what was going on in the social sphere of people because they were writing these articles that were like pushing the limits, you know, like talking about things that were not saying that it's bad or anything like that. But, you know, like, for instance, like gay marriage and and, and things to come up with your own idea of something right is different. But the way they construct it, it like pushes you. To like, yeah, you know, this this is a thing. Instead of just letting it naturally occur, 
but they were jumping on the the limbs of whatever was going on, the coattails of anything that was hot at that time. And what I noticed from the magazine's early start was that they were involved in all the major movements that were like going on at that time. Yeah, no, for sure. And Hef was also very integral um, with connecting to black people as well, because he was one of the first places that had intermingling at his clubs because he hired black people in every position. Like he had tons of black bunnies and this was in a time you didn't see that. And he had a lot of like black people, not just athletes, but he had black people that were, you know, just had money and would come in like the rest of everybody else. And you, and I watched, you know, cause we watched uh, one of those documentaries on Hulu and some of the guys, they were black celebrities. And they were like, yeah, this was a time where, he didn't treat us like a minstrel show. We were just part of everybody else. And he kind of had that really progressive way. But I want to get into why he had that progressive way, because I want to talk about his past a little bit and why that maybe it helped shape him to be this way. And then he turned into a monster, obviously. But he actually grew up in like a really devout Christian family. And they were very suppressed. You know, it was your typical, you know, back in the whenever he was, you know, born, I think it was, I don't know, thirties or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but he didn't feel like that he really fit into society. And he met this chick named Millie Williams. And he told her that I'm going to marry you when I get back from the military. Cause he was in the army. So he went away, came back and married her. Well, right before they got married, she springs on him that she's been having an affair while he's been gone at war. Now, in his own memoirs, he was like, listen, I'm, I waited for her this whole time. You know, he came from this devout Christian family. He wasn't doing anything out there, according to his words. But I, t- I typically tend to believe him here because I think this was kind of that breaking point for him. So she makes a deal with him that she feels so bad about it that when they get married, he can have extramarital affairs, like on the house, open relationship. So he agrees to that, but it's not that he really wanted to. He just said that when she told him that, that it like messed him up. He said every time that he was in bed with her, he could just see the other guy there because he was like, he was a virgin. And he realized that she wasn't. And that she was way more sexually experienced than him. So that really turned him into the way that he was. And she was a part of building Playboy early on, too. They were married for 10 years. Matter of fact, her daughter took over as CEO of the company. Um, and his uh, and his son ended up being like an IT tech guy, ran like an IT tech company. Shocker. You know what I mean? Like Silicon Valley and all that. But that's really what made him turn into this person because you know he just didn't believe in the sanctity of marriage anymore he was like it's all a crock of shit this is what i've been fed my whole life and look what happened when i tried to do right look what happens he's like people should just be free and having sex and doing whatever they want all the time and that but that was the basis of why that he thought that way and it was interesting when that happened Cause it was like right at the time of all these events that were just so happened. So it could be that, you know, he was somewhat influenced of the times as well, you know, like seeing that, Hey, this free love movements here. And, uh, 
questioning like conservative Christian values and moving away, especially like you said, trapped in um, that lifestyle and then thinking that you're doing the right way and feeling like you got burned. And then, but I feel like he took it to the next level and it was really influential because it took over a lot of people's mindsets and made them think of women differently. And I think this, you know, we talk a lot about like TikTok or Instagram. People say like, you know, social media, these are the first media sources that really kind of, in my opinion, they attack women. And, and I'll go a little bit more with this Playboy uh, clubs that he had because the Playboy clubs, he started like a couple and then they started coming at the, at one time, I think they were all over the country because it was like the happening spot. I know they had them in Chicago and L.A. Because this is before the mansion. Because I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know that there was these clubs. I knew the mansion. That's more of our arrow that we knew about it. The way that these clubs work, though, is they had the VIPs, you know, like we were talking about, and all these bunnies. And as it went around, you know, they would hook up with some of these VIP people. Uh, but mostly, like, keeping people entertained. And, you know, that. There's a lot of alleged quaaludes. Quaaludes were huge at the time over there and a lot of alleged, you know, cocaine use and a lot of drugs. I find it easily to believe it, to be honest, because of the times and how many influential people were there that these drugs were probably floating around. You know what I mean? They're, they had to be there. It, I find it hard to believe that it would be just drinks. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, man. Uh, quaaludes were, were what he called the uh, thigh openers is what he told the girls. He would actually tell them that before he would give them quaaludes. Uh, but there's been a lot of drugs that he's been associated with. I mean, you think about it, one of the things that he was super addicted to was he drank a ton of Coke a day, which they said he drank like, God, like 30 bottles or something like that, some massive amount. Plus he ate tons of like jelly beans and sugar and stuff like that. And if you think about it, guys that are on a lot of speed, meth, cocaine, they tend to do a lot of that stuff because that sugar feeds that. They say he didn't really eat that much. Like he ate some, but you've, you've ever seen pictures of him. He's not like a big dude. Like he's very skinny. Um, but yeah, for sure, man, drugs were a huge part of like all the cultures throughout the entire years where it moved from the clubs into the mansion. I mean, he had his original house in Chicago. So that was kind of the first mansion, right? That was That was the one where he's kind of, was trying everything out there, had girls living there, but his whole goal was to build this oasis, oasis of sex that he wanted to build that he could court all of his celebrity friends there. They could get access to these nines and tens is what he called them because he always rated women on a scale of one to 10. And he wanted to build this lifestyle and make himself the king of sex. That's what he wanted. And he did. And not just, yeah, like you said, rate them. Like when they would go into the interview, they would look at their confidence, how much they would tell them, hey, you might want to hit that gym, lose about 10 pounds, come back in a week, and we'll see if, you're, you know, if your spot's available. And when they wanted protection, because the women were pretty protected, as you said, inside the club, right? Like, you know, people were watching, eyes on them. But outside was a different story, like where sometimes they would ask, you know, to get walked to the car. They'd be like, nah. You know what I mean? And when there was an incident of somebody having fake VIP like access and taking the girls, drugging them and raping them. The girls were immediately fired and the staff was told, Hey, don't talk about this. This didn't exist. And that kind of started the culture of hiding what was really going on. Like, Hey, you're not safe. And then girls started feeling like that they got stuck in this. And, and I know a lot of people think, and, and I've been at that point too, where you're like, 
you know, you should know what you're kind of getting into, man. You know, you're dressing half naked. You got to also imagine how old these girls are. 18, 19, 20, 21. None of us were super intelligent at that time. I know there's uh, there's these few people that are, but for the most part, we're all easily fooled and fall into these little traps. And then once you learn this, and if you're already from a bad family or abusive nature, it's going to just, you're going to stick there because you're going to have Stockholm Syndrome and think like, oh, this is how the world is. You know, my family screwed me up. And then now where I work that this, place that they promise you they dangle in front of you too like hey you might be in the magazine hey you could do this there's a lot of promises of what you could be and then that's where i kind of get into the whole little scandal one of his earlier scandals of like hiding the rape and stuff but then actually a girl died you know what i mean adriana Pollock. we'll have you say that man so that people know that we have the real name Pollock. say it, say it. <laughs> there you go Pollock. and she died of a quaalude overdose in 1973 and that kind of got the FBI on the case because they were kind of looking at him, what to do. Like, man, this there's got to be coke up there. They they had wire taps and things of that nature. That kind of gave him the in. And then you got another one, Bobby Arnstein, right? Bobby was caught outside of the club with cocaine. And she was going to take the deal and all this. And she finally was going to go to jail and do everything. And she didn't want to flip on anybody. Then she just mysteriously went to a hotel decided to take a bunch of quaaludes and take her life. So to me, it seems like there was this culture of somebody like, you know, drug mule-ish, um, people kind of controlling women, uh, telling them like what they should do. And you would think this stuff would get out, right? You'd think like, oh, this stuff was all going to get out. We should hear about it. But they had an actual cleanup crew, uh, a group of people that when an incident would happen, it's almost like that in Pulp Fiction. Remember they get Mr. Wolf or a wolf? <laughs> And he comes in, oh, what's the problem? What's the situation? They had that. And the main dude, PJ Mastin, he worked for Playboy from 1972 to 1982. According to Mastin, in the 10 years that I worked for Playboy, I would venture to say that there were probably 40 to 50 young women that were silenced by Playboy because of abuse and sexual abuse. Yeah, man. And you got to think, this wasn't just about the women this was about the men that they were messing with so the thing about hef was hef had a voyeur spirit and we're going to get into what that means as we go further down this no pun intended rabbit hole of what he liked sexually too right but what he wanted most of all was to have people in power whether it's celebrity or politician he wanted them on tape doing stuff with these women or at the very least before he started really getting to the filming aspect of it, he wanted them caught up with these women. So here's the thing. They do something filthy to these women. He gets them off because he's going to pay off the cops, whatever he's got to do, right? They owe him now. So now he's got them in their back pocket. He's got blackmail on them. And that's where it really started, because the thing about Hef is, and we're going to jump into this real quick, was his infatuation with Charles Manson. And his infatuation with Charles Manson plays into why that he was like this. Because he, he couldn't talk about him enough. You know, he talked to his girlfriend, which was a playmate, Theodore, talked to her about it all the time. He, he loved the fact that women 
who had done these unspeakable acts for Charles Manson, when they get out, they still love Manson until the day they died, and Hef loved it. He loved the fact that these women still would do anything for Manson. He liked that kind of power. And you think about it, he turned the mansion into a cult. That's really what he turned the entire situation into. And it all started with really his infatuation with Manson. And probably before that, but Manson was like the prototype for him. He saw it and he was like, man, this dude can get women to kill for him. That's where I want to be. Yeah, and he was so uh, like stuck on Manson that he had their family videos. He had videos of the Manson family uh, home videos before they committed the crimes and everything. Yeah, he liked the idea of the control and the uh, like doing what you want, the devotion, not even just control, the devotion where they would do anything that he asked them. That's where to me it kind of dips into that whole MK Ultra-ish. Like, and to me, if he was not hooked up, if he didn't have, like, why wasn't he caught in this time? Pornography, people were going to jail for pornography. And that's when they came up with the whole, oh, well, you know, this is tasteful. This is art. This is something classy. This is for the New York Times reader. Because if he didn't have people backing him in some agency, then he would be. You got a felony. You got a felony. <laughs> He'd be done. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, he was too he was too well connected, man. Uh, and I think that's a thing that's lost on Hugh Hefner. And a lot of people have speculated he was kind of the first Jeffrey Epstein. He was the Epstein before Epstein. It wouldn't even surprise me if Epstein modeled himself after Hugh and seeing how Hugh operated. Because and we're gonna go there today, but Hugh was involved with a lot of underage stuff too. As we start digging through that, it wasn't just these nines and tens that he had in the house that he did these things with. And we're going to start delving into the mansion a good bit here, I think, because this is a good place to start. This is kind of when his empire really starts building. So Jennifer Saganor, she actually grew up in the mansion. Her father was Mark Saganor, who was literally Hugh Hefner's best friend, but he was also his doctor. He was the on-site doctor and he lived there too. So this guy, they called him Dr. Feel Good. He literally handed out prescriptions and non-prescription drugs freely, like quaaludes galore. He was like just passing them out like candy. And he also facilitated plastic surgery for all these women too. So he literally did it all. They had the in-house doctor, Dr. Feelgood, who's having fun too, whose daughters too grew up in the house, which is mind-blowing. So you start thinking about Jennifer Sagnor. She grows up seeing this. And if you listen to her interviews, she's like, yeah, at first, you know, I grew up and you're thinking this is a great thing. Look at all these beautiful women. I want to be like these women. But as she gets older, she starts seeing just the filthy underbelly of the whole thing. Dude, when she was 15, they made her get plastic surgery. Made her get a boob job at 15. So you're telling me that, that underage stuff wasn't going on to the mansion? Or at least 
off-site, it was. Definitely, man. And she saw some horrific things. Like, as a child, like you said, you look up to it. But think about what we were saying earlier. Instagram, TikTok, all these filters. They were literally pressuring not only just random girls, the guy's own daughter, to get plastic surgery, to get augmentation, to change your body because you're not good enough. And then that's the thing that I had a lot. Me and you both have daughters, so I think that's why... It's not just about like, you know, prudes. Like, I, I really don't usually care about stuff. Like, hey, you're a grown adult. You can do whatever you want, man. But when you're being so influential, and especially to like women, to where you're attacking them in a way that they don't even realize it. You're, you're downgrading them. And that's how we started getting this whole breaking up the household, making the mother feel like shit. You know, that like, hey, I don't look good enough. I got to do this. So now they're never feeling good enough. So they never feel like their partner's good enough. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what I think a lot of times is a lot of women will like downgrade, like because they're like, oh, this person won't leave me. You know what I'm saying? Because I have this certain flaw, whatever thing got stuck in their brain. And most likely the dude that's with them don't even know. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't even care. But these are the things that have really pushed this Instagram model thing that we have now, you know, where women, men should make a million dollars. Half is the mold for people like um tate you know what i'm saying tate is did the same thing he ran those girls with the online only fan stuff right made his money he tells you to treat women like hey they do whatever i want you can have three four women that is the stuff that people get mad at when we talk about people like tate but that's what we mean it this is the psychological operation that's being played on you on one end you have people like half and others, and Instagram, and other women that are of influence pushing onto women, body shaming, and men don't body shame women. Like, when you're pissed off, maybe, you know what I mean? You might be pissed off and you get into argue, you might say some things, but for the most part, it's not happening. Mostly, it's women attacking women, and that kind of came from this whole bunny lifestyle of where they're just doggy dog world, like stepping on each other, and that's where you get people like Tate, too, that do that to the men now. Now they're saying men. You need to treat these women like the dogs they are. You know what I mean? Not me saying that's what I feel like Tate is saying. And let them do whatever you say. And if they won't, dump them off. Because you're rich. You're a millionaire, man. You got a yacht. Like, you're this. It's that whole lifestyle. That's where I think it all comes from. Yeah, no, for sure. And Hugh was a big part in facilitating that. Not just for himself, but for the guys that he brought into the mansion as well. I mean... You look at how he pushed plastic surgery on all the models that live there. Part of it was he wanted them all looking like clones. You know what I mean? Like he didn't want them uh, looking any different. Uh, a, a really good example was Holly Madison, who, if you remember the girls next door, she was one of the three. And she decided one day to go out and cut her hair, cut it short, came back, half went off. Told her that she looked old, hard, and cheap, screaming at her. And she was just trying to get a little bit of individuality. He didn't want that. He wanted all of the bunnies to look the same. And as we get deeper down the hole in this episode, we'll talk about MK Ultra, Monarch Programming, and why they would want that to happen. And they want women not to have individuality so that they wouldn't have any reason to push back on him on what he is suggesting that they do. 
And there was rape prevalent like crazy in the mansions, just like at the Playboy clubs. He had all the people that did have VIPs in the clubs and all the people that were allowed in these mansions were all handpicked by Hef. Hef decided who got to go to the mansion, who did not go to the mansion. And not only were they drugs and rape was common, obviously, not all of it was just rape. You know, there was some consensual, but also at the same time, these are young girls on quaaludes and, and drinking. And they're also being promised they may be, hey, you could get the cover. You could be on the cover. Come come down to with me to the grotto. Hey, let's go to this, uh, you know, this spot right over here. And one thing that people don't realize is there was cameras all over that place. And there was a lot of footage in certain rooms where the sex that was happening with Hugh Hefner and other uh, big names that we don't know because we don't we're not privy to this information were all recorded. And to me, where we get that from, we can't prove I can't prove to you that famous people and politicians because we don't have the tapes. We haven't seen them. But it says a Playboy insider has revealed that Hef had video and audio recordings of his sexual escapades buried at sea in a chest lined with cement in the late 1990s. And the reasoning behind that was supposedly because Pamela Anderson's tape was leaked. But I'm like, what do you, first of all, what do you have on there, right? If it's leaked and why are you recording? My, my thing is, why are you recording them, right? So many. It's not like one where you're like, hey, let's have a little fun or something. No, you have many, many tapes a casket full of tapes. You know what I mean? Right. That's a lot of tapes. <laughs> well, yeah. And one of the bottles even said that when he would bring them into his bedroom, generally speaking, he wouldn't even be a part of the sex a lot of times where it would be celebrities in there and he's directing and he would have all of his stuff filming. Sometimes it was just women on women, just the playmates. And they and he they would see the video going and they what's going on here? Oh, he said it make you feel uncomfortable. He said, yeah, let me turn that off real quick. And his girlfriend at the time, Theodore, later on found out that he was still filming. And he looked at her and he said, You thought I stopped filming that? It's like, come on now. Like, you know me. He's like, he's like, these girls come in here, I'm I'm filming it. And he kept it in a hidden place in his office. That only he had access to. The, the playmates were not allowed in his office either. If they even touched his office, they were fired on the spot and they were kicked out of the mansion. Because he was hiding stuff, in my opinion. Like, you know, that's me speculating, but it doesn't seem like very hard to do that. And even like, this is tons of people. You know, uh, pe at first when I was watching some of the series and hearing some of the podcasts, I took, it, I took into consideration that, hey, are these bitter people? Like, especially the Holly one, right? You've seen her all over on the reality show. People had seen her. She's been, you kind of think like, is she just bitter? Maybe she, because it kind of made it seem like she really wanted half or something like that. But when you start getting into it and more and more and more people are saying the same thing, again, that's when you're like, hey, this is not just one person screaming a thing that maybe they're bitter. No, this is something that really happened. Micah Garcia, director of Playmate Promotions added, the woman had been groomed and led to believe they were part of this family. Hefner really did believe he owned these women. We had playmates that overdosed and committed suicide on the regular. Like this is this is a big issue, or and it, maybe not all died from suicide, but committed a suicide, uh, mental institutions uh, ruining their lives because they're doing everything what they believed to get in Hef's good graces. 
to be on the cover, to be in a, a, a the spread. The centerfold spread was the the prize package. Until then, it can the next one is hey, who's Hef's main lady, right? Then that became, and he liked the idea of women pretty much catfighting, doing whatever dirty thing to themselves to do what he wants. Right. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, man. And to even get a little bit deeper into how he manipulated, you know, even with the uh, the rape stuff, it's crazy, man. Uh, they would do it at the mansion, Playboy parties, corporate offices in the clubs the promotional events. I mean, dude, we could even get deeper where Linda Lovelace, the actress, he forced her to have sex with a dog. And then they even said that he was even having intercourse with the dog. So we're talking about bestiality right now. We're going to a whole other scope, a whole other spectrum. And this even goes even to back to Mark Saganor, Dr. Feelgood. It was rumored that they were lovers. He, both of them were gay lovers for 40 years. So he didn't have any boundaries there. And at this point of the conversation, I'm going to deviate into some occult stuff because I think this is where a lot of that hidden knowledge about Hugh Hefner is, is in this occult. So there's a uh, podcast called Girls Next Up. It's with Holly Madison. It's with Bridget Mark Marcod. And if you remember, both of them were part of the Girls Next Door with Kendra Wilkinson, but they do one together. And Kendra's, they're not friends anymore. So, but they do one together. Well, <laughs> Bridget talks about at a Midsummer Night's dream party, there was a mural with Hefner painted as pants. The God Pan. Now, this gets a little bit better, and I'm going to break down Pan, the God, for people that don't know who Pan is, and some stories about Pan. And this is just going to really let you know how this occult piece ties into what he's doing with these women. Pan was a god of the wild, shepherds and flocks, uh, rustic music, and he was a companion of the nymphs. So if you know what a nymph is, at least in mainstream culture, a nymph is a nympho, a girl who's sexually promiscuous. So Pan's all about these nymphs who are super promiscuous. Uh, Pan, the god Pan, um, he has the legs and horns of a goat, but the rest of him's like a man. So he kind of reminds you of like Mr. Tumnus from Lion King, the, War the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie. Um, and nobody knows about Pan, like, you know, who he was necessarily born of. Some people think it was Zeus. Some people think it was Hermes. Most people go with Hermes. Um, he's often, he's often depicted with the large phallus. There's a lot of myths of Pan learning masturbation from his father, Hermes. Uh, so he's, I'm just painting a picture, like, the god Pan is ridiculous. Like he's all about sex and he's all about rape. So one of the myths about Pan, he's hunting down uh Cyrenix and she's a wood nymph of Arcadia and she wants nothing to do with him. He literally hunts her down to the point that she ends up turning herself into a reed so she can hide from him. 
So he ends up cutting off a bunch of reeds and makes a flute out of it. So that's how he creates his magical flute out of these reeds. Uh, he goes after Echo. She was another nymph. And he is so angry because she is a dancer, but she doesn't want any man. He literally has her torn to pieces. He has his followers go kill her and tears her to pieces and spreads her all over the earth. I mean, he even goes after another nymph named Pities, and she turns into a pine tree to escape him. So time and time again, you got this god Pan who is hunting down these women without their consent, but to control them. And that's his whole MO. So I believe that he was all about painting himself as Pan. And I think he was a lot deeper into the occult that people want to admit. I think he knew the occult very well, especially if you're dealing with people in Hollywood and you're dealing with people in politics. I'm sure he had access to a lot of those things. And the fact that he would depict himself as Pan, even for the playmates to even realize that, like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Definitely. It, for them to notice, it's not like something like Peter Pan. Like, Pan is not, it's not something common. Like, you would think most time Pan, you would think only Peter Pan, which can be, I'm not sure if it's like comes from that, but I'm sure there's some basis. It is a playoff on it, yes. I was going to say it's a playoff of it, but that's, no, he's, he's referring to the actual, like, what you're talking about. And they, that comes off to them. Not just that, the whole, Never growing up, it almost reminded me of Peter Pan because he had that like obviously not like a kid, but where you consider like your late teens to that early twenties, where people are considered more promiscuous, even men at those times. And then you know as you grow, you're supposed to become more conservative, kind of like ah, you know, like not that you're supposed to, but it just happens over time. You mature. You're not actually doing that as much. And he was wearing the robe, smoking the cigar, and he didn't do that at first. Remember, he was all suited, you know, suited and booted and everywhere. And when he got these whole mansions, that's when he became this whole character that you're talking about, I believe. You know, I think that's where it came out from him, where he's now this character. And I think, in my opinion, from what you're saying, it's kind of like it, it's like the Rain Man uh, guy in, in music, kind of. You know what I mean? It's like these some kind of entity or some kind of false idol that he's praising and kind of getting his powers for, not his powers, but you know what I mean? His philosophy. Right. Well, another story, and it gets crazier. So Holly Madison talks about he takes them all to go see this semi-animated movie, and I remember it vividly, called Beowulf. And in the movie, Grendel looks almost identical to him. I actually went back and pulled up the picture of Grendel to take a look at it. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it looked like a version of him. And she said she was so freaked out about it that she really felt like that they modeled Grendel after Hugh. And it gets better, though. So when you dig into Grendel and the poem of Beowulf, <laughs> Grendel, <laughs> and I'm going there today, baby. You know you can't stop me because I can find it, any and anything. He's a descendant of the biblical Cain. He's literally coming from the bloodline. and. His depiction is a giant. So he's literally a giant in most depictions. So we're talking about a Nephilim that's depicted in this poem who's a descendant of Cain who now looks like Hugh in this movie. 
And they're even talking about it on the podcast. I can go there. I could do it. You sure about that? You sure about that? That's why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, just going down, like I said, we started off with the clubs and, and all the drugs and stuff. I totally believe it, man. There, it, I would be surprised if there wasn't occultic things going on over here. As much influence as he had and how many powerful... The people that have been through that mansion, just alone the one in California, not to mention the Chicago and the clubs and all that, There, there's so much occultic things, I think, that we don't even know about because he did have a pretty private life. And I think some of these people, like the Kardashians even, they do this reality show so that they can hide their life more, right? Because then people see them and they're like, oh, that's how their life is. They can hide the dark side of their life. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I think a lot of times when you hear Holly and Bridget and some of them talking now, you know, like they got the podcast now. I think, and my girl brought up a really good point because I said, like you just did, that they're hiding it, right? And my girl told me, she said, well, what if they just can't remember it? What if it is like some MK Ultra or their mind has separated, has blocked it out, has put it away where they don't remember all of those things that happened to them. So they only remember bits and pieces. Listen, I listened to them talk about they went downstairs, and I can't remember if it was Holly or Bridget, goes downstairs into an unfinished space of the basement. They, there was an altar there with like some weird like petals burned and some weird stuff, and they didn't even know why. And they asked one of the guys that worked there, he's like, I oh, started laughing, I don't know, whatever. And they made a big joke about it. But I'm like, do you not remember? Maybe you, maybe you do know what that, that was. You just don't remember it. Yeah, and plus when a lot of traumatic things, and plus not even just traumatic, but you got to think you're seeing a lot of stuff happening. Plus you have all these other girls that hate each other. Pretty much, for the most part, don't like each other and what would do anything to ruin the other person's life. So you're, you're constantly thinking of looking over your shoulder not knowing what they're going to do to take your spot because it's such cutthroat and the control aspect of where, you know, he gave them allowances and they were, they had curfews. They had not allowed to have a lot of family and friends, you know, bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So smooth, so crisp. There we go. Smooth, crisp butt cheeks, right? Uh, I was shaving my face. What are you shaving? Uh... Never mind. Don't answer that. I'm talking about the smooth, crisp pages 
of Paranormality Magazine, the premium paranormal magazine in all the world. In all the world? That sounds dope. What all is it about? It's a monthly paranormal magazine that delves into the strange world of shadow people, UFOs, and killer interviews with people like David Spinks, Alexandria Weiss, Chaz of the Dead, and many more for $7.99 a month or $127.99 for the whole year. Sean, I love reading, but I'm on the go a lot. You know, I literally hunt down these paranormal beings and cryptids for real. That's fine, too. For $3.99 a month or $24.99 a year, you can get the digital subscription. So when you run up on Dogman in the forest, you can show them what they're saying about him on the outside. I think he would love that, actually. How do I get this monthly work of art to show all my cryptid friends? Easy, bro. Just go to paranormalitymag.com or click Paranormality Magazine link in our podcast show notes and it will take you right there. Plus, you get a 10% discount on any subscription and a 30% discount on any shirt when you use the promo code BIRDKILLERS. I'm going there right now. What was that promo code again? BIRDKILLERS! Did you hear about the allowances? $1,000, but he did it when he would scoop the poop up from his dog in his bedroom and he would have them come in and get their thousand dollar allowance. And then he'd pick them apart. Like, Hey, you and -and so-and-so need to start getting along better. You need to start doing this. You probably, like you said, need to hit the gym harder. Hey, you need to uh, service so-and-so a little better. He wasn't happy last time. Yeah. That's how manipulative he was. Pretty gross to me. And when you also talk about the occult, I know this may not sound occultish, right? But I, I thought of it sexish, sex ritual-ish is the weekly pig nights where he would bring in a dozen ugly sex workers and him and his friends would have a good old time and they would joke about it. And it was like this weird, like, that's where I feel like they're really exercising that occult weirdness, right? Because you're using a vessel, some random person that nobody knows. You're claiming that they're ugly to show the other girls and dominance of like, this could be you. This could be your life. Kind of like this mirror image. Like, I don't know what the ritual is, but it's something of that nature. So the butler said that they would call it pig night, but they weren't allowed to refer to the girls as pigs. They'd bring them in. They had a doctor on deck that they would go to the bathroom and he would check them out, make sure everything's all right before they send them back out. And if they weren't, they sent them home. Wild. Yeah. But they did it every week and he had him and his group of friends, his little elite friends, and they would do that. And not only that though, Sean, and we just barely touched on it, but they had offshoot clubs. So you had these girls that weren't quite, that nine or ten they were in the seven to eight range they bring them in they would promise them that they could get a modeling career they could get on playboy they could get in the movies it wasn't just about playboy it was about hollywood in general so they had these offshoot mansions smaller they would take these girls out to live in these places and bro sometimes you would never hear about these girls again man And basically what they used these facilities, and I'll call them facilities because that's what I think they were, to turn them out. They turned them into high-end escorts. That's what the whole goal was to do like a pimp. Turn them. It wasn't ever about giving them anything they thought they were going to get. And some of them committed suicide. Some of them were killed. There were a lot of them that were underage. 
They were going to these places. Now, Hef was really smart. They said he didn't frequent these places very much. He kept everything pretty much in-house, but he was kind of the, the, the broker in getting these started because it was for his friends. So his friends could do all this really crazy stuff with these underage girls. It wasn't on the company grounds, so he had kind of that buffer where, yeah, there was bad stuff that happened in the mansion for sure, but he kept the, some really awful stuff or girls that were going to die or whatever else off in these other places. And also, things that happened inside Playboy and what Playboy did, not just inside of Playboy, but the whole propaganda aspect of it, of kind of indoctrinating people, was making men how they looked at women, right? At first, you know, you got Marilyn Monroe, super famous person, average dude, probably, you know, yeah, oh, man, I'd love to be with Marilyn Monroe, but they, they don't really think that they got the shot. But then they started marketing these Playboy bunnies as, hey, the girl next door. Like you even said, the whole reality, hey, you know, she's just the girl next door. And instead of like building a relationship and what you should do, it, it built the woman up to like, you have to look a certain way. You got to keep up your appearance, you know, hit the gym, plastic surgery, breast augmentation. And the man is now looking at her as just like just some sex, sex toy that, Hey, when I need you, you know, you come on in. And I feel like maybe some of what they were doing, like the rituals of what I'm talking about has to do with that. Like, when you talk about they traded them, there was a, a couple things I read about, and they had tunnels in, the, in the, these mansions. They said they had tunnels with Warren Beatty, uh, Betty, I don't know who that is, James Kane, Kirk Douglas, and Jack Nicholson, and Hugh Hef, and they had these tunnels, and they don't go too much in detail, and then they said that, oh, Hef, and you know, then he was like, I didn't even know that I was there, and uh, and. You know, so I kind of just uh, close it off and it's like, what? Like, it was there for a long ass time, man. Like, it just didn't pop up. <laughs> right. So, for your, for the record, though, Warren Beatty, he's a great actor. He, one of my favorite movies I remember him in was Dick Tracy back in the day, the Dick Tracy movie. Man, I didn't even um, know that was him, man. That's Warren Beatty, yeah. I, I loved Warren Beatty when I was a kid. He's been in a lot of, like, classic movies, man. So, he, he again, he fit that Hugh Hefner mold, right? Uh, that real classy gentleman type, Jack Nicholson. And to the tunnels part, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, they said it was like Disney World because Disney World has an underground complex that people don't know about. It's all underground. And he said these guys' houses were linked up to his house because all their houses were in the same neighborhood. So these underground tunneling systems that were connected to these other rich and famous men. And there was excavation under the mansion uh, during maybe the 80s. And this manager of Playboy, he even said, because he brought it up, he said, that's probably when they built the tunnels in the 70s. So they said these tunnels were built in the 70s. And then he said he heard they closed them up sometime in 89. So this is probably in the 90s when he was talking. Um, but. On the follow-up, the same manager said he couldn't discuss the tunnels any further. <laughs> and then staff relayed the message to the people that were asking that Hef doesn't wish to comment. And then, of course, they tried to hit up Nicholson, Kane, Douglas, Beatty, and they refused to comment, too. So they're saying that these tunnels, which I don't know if you saw the same thing I did. I saw the blueprints, which is really crazy. So you see where the... 
actual mansion's at, and it's like a spiral staircase that goes all the way down. And we're talking about a super deep tunneling system. And then you see massive tunnels just all underneath going to all these other places. Now, how easy would it be to transport people through these tunnels into other celebrities' houses or from those celebrities' houses to this place? What if there's facilities underground? That makes even more sense. You just meet underground, and then you can get really filthy. You know what I mean? That's when you get into your, like, you know, sex rituals and all the things that you wouldn't do in the actual mansion. And then think about what you're saying, too. Like, that's like a street, say, right? You're going to Jack's and and Warren Beatty's house and all these things and Hugh Hess Mansion. But maybe there's a bigger intersection, right? That there's another part. that We only saw partial of the blueprints of what is. We don't know what more is down there. And we've believed and known about tunnels for a long time. Shouts out to you guys, Anons. I know a lot of the, some of the stuff that we found, I will not, I'm going to give credit to some of the non QAnon people. There is a few that found some great stuff on the Hugh Half stuff, man. There's some, they're just some good researchers. I mean, uh, Ross, I have history if you ask me, but you know what I'm saying? That's neither here nor there. <laughs> and I think, too, since we're hitting on the tunnels, man, we should really start tapping into right now this whole CIA connection. This whole MK Ultra Monarch programming. I do want to talk about since we're talking about the CIA. Uh, CIA operative Laurel Aston even said that Hefner was part of MK Ultra. So she even said that he pimped them out to Hollywood stars, blackmailed the men that he set up with young girls, and then videotaped them. And then they gave him these date rape drugs like scopolamine. And it stopped the victims from forming the memory. So they couldn't remember. So that's classic MK Ultra. You're drugging them up to the point that they can't even remember what they did. And the connections keep growing. Uh, Kimba Wood, former Playboy Bunny, and Soros' favorite overseeing uh, uh, the Michael Cohen case, right? The big Michael Cohen case. A Soros-backed attorney. Not only did she work for the CIA honeypot overseer Hugh Hef as a Playboy bunny in the 60s, but a jungle that she actually officiated George Soros' third wedding. She was officiating his third wedding. That's how connected she was. And to say that this was not just some dude that's just like, oh man, free love, man, free love. It wasn't about that. It's these connections to these people. And we know that these people... It's been proven, maybe not each and every one of them, but we know these powerful people are into the cult. We've seen it through history. Uh, when we go do stuff with Juan on Shadow Band and other things that we research every time through everything we're looking through. And man, I try not to, man. I'm always like trying to go, I'm going to go against it, man. There can't be Nephilim in this. Can't be a homunculus in this. There can't be a cult in this. And every single time... I am proven wrong. <laughs> you try and you try and you're just like, wow, man, how did they, you didn't see that connection. And when you keep piling it together more and more CIA helped squash major star studded tax evasion case. Castle bank and trust castle bank and trust was a Bahama bank, a bank in the Bahamas that was involved in tax evasion as well as covertly funneling money from central CIA, any intelligence agency, pretty much. 
They funneled the money for people, offshore accounts, the things that you hear of in the movies, like, hey, man, I got my Swiss account. You know what I mean? My account in the Bahamas. Like, that's exactly what they were doing. And, of course, a spokesperson from Playboy Publisher says, hey, Hef doesn't remember having an account at Castle. Though he does recall investing in a movie company that dealt with the bank. So he remembers the bank from the movie, but I don't remember if I had an account or not. Classic. It's another... Yeah, Classic. it's a, yeah, <laughs> duh. Like, what else would you say? I don't remember that account. <laughs> yeah. Yo, so I want to get into this MK Ultra Monarch program a little bit. So I want to start with, and this is such a crazy connection. So I want to start with Bryce Taylor. And if anybody knows anything about Bryce Taylor, she wrote the book "Thanks for the Memories." It was about her being the sex slave of Bob Hope and Henry Kissinger. And, you know, she gets into a lot. We won't get into that today. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. But there is a crazy connection with her and a playmate. And then you start digging into the playmate. Then you start thinking, man, did they both come from the same area of being in this MK Ultra? So in the book, Bryce Taylor talks about how her father uh, borrowed money um, from her mother's mother to purchase this three-bedroom ranch home in this place called Woodland Hills, California. Now, this home was built to be the base for hidden and extreme torture and trauma. So she spent like 19 years there going through all this trauma, all of this MK Ultra programming with a bunch of other girls that they, you know, kidnapped or brought in uh, during this time. So even crazier, there's a playmate, Patty Duffett. <laughs> And this is back in 1963. She's from the same area, the exact same Woodland Hills. Like we're talking right by the house. So then you start digging deeper and you're like, okay, so if Bryce Taylor lived there and was going through this MK Ultra programming, what about this Patty Duffick? Because she was a, a big playmate and she just kind of, you know, came out of nowhere. They said she was pretty conservative and she'd never, you know, modeled like that in her life, but it all seemed very just robotic, you know, in, in, in the way that she was saying it. And now that, oh yeah, but now I'm free. Now that I'm able to to do these other things, now I'm free. And you think about MK Ultra, people tend to do things out of character. They always have this kind of dazed look in their eyes. I've seen some pictures of this uh, Duffick as well, and she does look very off. But the crazier thing is now that she's out of being a playmate and she's run several businesses, she has posted this video on Facebook. And at the beginning of the video, as she's talking about her business, it's all of these butterflies flying around to bring it in. If you know anything about MK Ultra Monarch programming, it's all about animals. It's all about turning you into this particular uh animal i say it's a lion tiger stripes you're going to see a lot of uh, th that type of imagery uh the butterfly imagery because they use them because it's basically like you are morphed from a cocoon so when you come out of the cocoon that's when the butterfly emerges and that's what they're breaking you down to do they're breaking you down to morph from the cocoon to turn into what they want you to be they are morphing you into this butterfly but she's got all this butterfly imagery and it's just a crazy connection that these two 
were girls would have been around the same age in the same neighborhood where this like crazy MK Ultra house was going on. And then all of a sudden she's like a top level playmate and she's got a great life now, but no husband ever still doesn't have one. Can't get a relationship. And they say a lot of MK Ultra women never do. It's just part of the program. Book. <laughs> <laughs> They've always said that. And and that's the thing is it doesn't necessarily mean that they're an agent. Like you're saying, this these everybody's susceptible different to it, right? When you look at the Unabomber, for instance, like you're like, man, he kind of went crazy. Well, it depends on how your brain works and when they get you, I think. Uh, some people, I think, they are more susceptible to fall to this, and they see that their life is going real well. I think that he was so invested in Manson. It seemed like the CIA and any intelligent agents at that time had their hands in, in what Manson was doing. Why would they not have a hand in what Playboy was doing when they also had a hand in what Jim Morrison doing, as we pointed out before, and, and the whole hippie movement? I don't know if he was, I don't think, because I tried to look up his dad, didn't see a lot of connections with anybody, um, you know, as a time that we had to research. Of course, we're going to always keep looking into stuff. It seemed like something that was approached to him because then he had all these people around him. I think that what we talk about is once you hit certain levels, people approach you. And part of that cleanup crew we talked about earlier, he had former intelligent agents on the cleanup crew. And once an agent, always an agent. Once a spook, always a spook. One thing I really wanted to at least touch a little bit base on, and I'm sure we might get a little boo, you know what I mean? So the, the my MAGA, turn it off now. Just turn it off now, man. Just- <laughs> get your butt cheeks tight. We're going there, baby. Donald Trump and Hugh Hefner were good friends, man. Like, we're always giving him, not me and you, but all these supporters are always giving him a pass. I'm like, well, Trump and Hef are great friends. Until 27, before he died, and he was like, there's a statement that his presidency was a personal embarrassment um, to Hugh Hef. All of a sudden, because he wrote a whole essay about what a great uh, candidate this is, entrepreneur, blah, 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 Trump's the guy, pat on the back. And don't forget, he was on the 1990 cover of Playboy. He, he, it's not like he was just like, oh, we can't prove it. You don't just get on the cover. Isn't he the only dude, maybe one of how many that have been on the Playboy cover? Well, he was considered a Playboy of his generation. You think about, you think about Donald Trump. You think about him a lot like you do Hugh Hefner. Always beautiful women. Had that attitude of, I'm owed this. These women, they owe me. I'm, I'm who I am, and they become better because of me. And he and Hugh really connected on that level. And you see the way, think about it, man. Hugh Hefner and Donald Trump, before all of the stuff that came out about Hugh Hefner, and obviously before this whole presidential run, which was, it is all a psyop, but that's a whole different bag of worms but they were viewed as the iconic men of their generation as far as being the top level playboys you heard every rapper rap their name you heard every celebrity want to be them or hung out with them 
everybody talked very highly of those guys. Honestly, dude, before 2016, Donald Trump was the most liberal guy of all time. He was just like you. That's the crazy thing that I that I, people just can't seem to connect. Like he literally bait and switched you instantly. He modeled his life like you. He he looked for the the certain women, these certain models, and he would you know shuffle them around. Trump's classmates from his military school said Trump had a Hugh Hefner Playboy magazine view of success. He idolized Hugh Hefner, and you know that he they had many times at the mansions. There's so many different playmates that have seen him many times at the mansion all over. It's not like this new thing. And then we have him with the ties of Epstein where people try to like wipe their hands. They're like, no, he's a good guy. He was the only one that testified. And you know, everybody else didn't want to say anything. He's on. No, you're, they're building the character. And to me, the reason why I wanted to bring it, I didn't even, wasn't even really looking for it as I was digging I remembered hearing about that, but then like seeing that, and then I started connecting the dots like, okay, wait, we got this Epstein guy that you have this connection with. And then we got this Hugh Hefner, which you have definitely have a huge relationship with. It's almost like he was your mentor. You know what I mean? Like there's somebody that you looked up to and that you aspired to be. And now it's like, oh yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm against this, you know, I'm a conservative now, man. I'm against abortion. Like, uh, 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 Petty said, man, Lord Petty, shouts out to Lord Petty. <laughs> man, if you don't think that guy had a couple abortions in his lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> More than a couple. That dude had a lot, man. Yeah, no, I'm with you on the Trump stuff. I mean, we could obviously go to town with him. I mean, it's just, it's to me, it's to the point, it's so obvious that if you don't see it, you're literally choosing to live your life in, a, in cognitive dissonance. You really are because you have decided that I've made a decision to support somebody against my better judgment against my using my actual brain and that's fine i'm okay with that like i'll still be your friend i'm still going to tell you though that you're wrong <laughs> when you hear these ex-playmates these bunnies like talk about a lot of the stuff like like i said at first i was kind of like i don't know because again like the one that we started off with was like holly who was like all in the reality and we all have our perceptions and views on how like reality tv stars are and i was like eh. and you know you kind of get into the series too at like the documentary at first you're like man it kind of seemed like she's just trying to you know take her spot you know she's like oh this is my spot but then when you kind of really delve into it it is an occultic lifestyle cult not even just occultic it's even just like a cult where you're following what hef is put he's training you and grooming you of how he wants you to be and he wants everybody to do and be exactly how and fall in line how they're supposed to. Exactly, man. And, you know, I was just talking about the uh, beta sex kitten programming as well. I touched on a little bit when I was talking about monarch programming. This is even crazier. When you talk about the first playmate ever, Marilyn Monroe, you had uh, Jane Mansfield. There's another one. Anna Nicole Smith, which everybody knows. They are always seen with animal print. They were always seen with that weird, like, stripes and, and patterns. And even better, Marilyn Monroe and Anna Nicole Smith, when they died, they had coral hydrate in their bodies, which is a hypnotic sedative, and it's used for mind control. <laughs> you, you, you can't even write this shit. It's in their bodies when they died. So it's like literally they have the substance that they use for MK Ultra mind control 
in their bodies when they died. And they're just like, oh, they just died. It's okay. Yeah, it's totally normal, man. That happens to everybody. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. Oh, you didn't die. You know what I mean? You didn't have that? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got so, that in your so body? crazy, man. That you can't connect it, man. Like, you know, what Hefner, it, if he wasn't connected with the CIA, you know, he invites over celebrities. Check. Offers them something younger. Check. Safe spaces to do it in. Check. Tapes encounter. Check. What else, man? The, who else? Like you said earlier, you had, I know we're not the first to say this. It's not that I'm, pl- I'm sure there's plenty of people. Hugh Hefner was Epstein. Like, and, and we see it as, oh, they were 18. They were 19. But no, they weren't. There was plenty of girls they were dragging in and they had these bunnies doing the same thing that Epstein had those uh, younger, the older girls that were 18, 19, they were recruiting younger girls. No, for sure, man. And we can get into Mickey Garcia testified to the Mies Commission on Pornography that the women were all pressured to doing drugs and orgies. Said that Hefner would rape the new recruits when they would come in and said these, these teenagers, teenagers was the word that she used, Thought they were like networking, working on their modeling careers. And he said that Hef wouldn't take no for an answer at all. And of course, you got all these celebrities in your face. You got all of this lavish lifestyle in your face. And before you know it, they, they slip a Mickey. Passed out. And what would happen? And to that point, Bill Cosby drugged and raped 12 women at the mansion 12 and and then she even named chloe goins named hefner as a conspirator he facilitated it they were best buds him and bill cosby let's not forget about that let's not forget that bill cosby and hugh hefner were super tight bill cosby had his own room at the mansion let's not forget about that in 1976, Playboy published nude photos of Brooke Shields when she was 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, it, it's almost like right in front of your face and a lot of people just are closing their eyes and they only seen, I guess they like the articles. You know what I mean? It's all about the articles. But that right there is child porn. So if you can't connect that with Epstein, then I don't see, again, like all these things, it's, Right in front of your face. This is not something hidden. And this is the start of all these movements from the feminists to the LGBT to now the trans to the queer to the next thing, the transhuman, whatever the next thing. It's going to keep continuously being. And these are facilitators of that. That's why we're always trying to take down idols and, you know, assassination. You know, (laughs) we got to take them out because these guys are literally molding the minds of the youth. And changing the perspective. And that is where the world is really going. It's not this whole like, oh, white supremacy, da 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 I'm not saying that, that, that there's not racist people. There is definitely racist people. But the people that are the most racist are these influential people that just hate you because you're a pleb. You're a poor person. You're somebody that is, not on, is beneath them. They feel like it's okay. Like we were talking in the Adrenochrome episode again with uh, uh, Paranoid American. This 1976 Playboy published with a nude Brooke Shields. Oh, it's art. It's art, man. It's it's not, you know, we're not taking pictures of her because she's naked. You know what I mean? We don't really care about it. It's the art. 
And that's what they mask themselves behind. Whether it's a real, you know, painting or live action or these magazines or music or movies. They not just soft disclosure, they just throw it right in your face and they go, oh man, if you don't like that, then you just don't understand art. Right. And to the Bill Cosby point, man, the uh, that whole Paige Young thing was wild. 1968 Playboy Playmate. And if people don't know about it, we're going to break down that a little bit too. Wild, man. Um, she basically killed herself. They tried to cover it up. She was found laying dead next to an American flag, next to a pentagram. And there was a room full of pictures and written on all the pictures was Hugh Hefner is the devil. And what's really crazy is there's stories about her being in like beta kitten monarch slave programming. And she basically hits up Tamara Green Young, who was also a playmate. And Tamara Green Young was hanging out with her boyfriend and Paige hits her up and says, yeah, I'm with Billy's on tour. So like she goes and picks up Paige and, you know, Bill wants to score some drugs because you know, she likes drugs. Bill's all about the drugs for the women. If you didn't, if you didn't know that, Bill ain't really about doing them. He's about giving them out. Like that's. <laughs> so he gets drugs for her, but when Tamara sees her, she said, it's like she was in a daze and like a stupor the whole time. And it, she even said the words, it felt like he was controlling her. But the way that she worded it, it wasn't that it was the typical controlling, like manipulating. No, literally controlling her like a puppet. And this is before she ends up killing herself and saying that he's the devil. And that, to me, is just mind-blowing, man. And you connect that back to the facilitator, Hugh Hefner. Best friends with all these guys. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the politician, and there's many of them, that have all their friends are pedos, but they're not. (laughs) It's like, it's like, come on, man. They all got arrested for the same thing. Like, I didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, but they're all that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's not like a- one. It's not like, <laughs> hey, yeah, I haven't seen him in a while, and he's doing some weird. Sh-. No, you like people you hang out with consistently in your circle, and all of them are are culprits. And you're like, not me though. I mean, like, I had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, come on, man. That's that's bullshit. And I do believe that that was definitely a cover up, because there was many cover ups. Why wouldn't they cover that up? That's one of the. That's a huge scandal because even if you have backing of intelligent agents, you can't have stories get out there that are going to be detrimental to these operations you're building. And that's to me, is exactly what this hefting was, is a honeypot. It's the blueprint for the Epstein, the get influential people into the door, get them in compromising positions, hopefully with younger women, if you can, that's their mentality of it because then you're locked and then you can make them do whatever you want and that's how you can get someone to be like yeah put this in your movie or hey let this guy he's going to be the writer for this film or the next bill you're signing in is boom that's how things are changed blackmail manipulation and these women 
think what you will. You know, everybody has their own perspective. But I mean, I think there should be a lot of empathy for these women because they were manipulated, uh, false. They were they're under false pretenses, um, promised things they would never get, and they're still kind of recovering from that because it's this men mental state that you get stuck in in these horrible it's not just a toxic relationship it's not just like ah oh, we were both young and we argued a lot or we cussed each other out and we had to mature no they weren't even able to mature and they had grown ass men now i know 20 year olds like i'm sure there was 20 year olds 30 years involved look half was already like older he wasn't some young spring chicken and the thing i found interesting too is when he would really you know, degrade women on their appearances. That is something that, like you said, pimps do. Like pimps, uh, people like Andrew Tate, they do these things. And I'm going to keep mentioning his name until like, you know what I'm saying? I don't like that guy. <laughs> I think he's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said it. What are you going to do about it? What <laughs> cheeks tight? Get them tight. That is what they're trying to do is break these women so they can break society because now the woman doesn't trust the man. You know what I mean? Like a, there's no good man except now a good man to them is some billionaire that just makes him do whatever he wants. And that's not how a relationship works. That's not the foundation of family where we have the teamwork working together. Hey, help me here. I'll help you here. You're having a bad day. I'm going to pick you up. I'm having a bad day. You pick me up. That's how it's supposed to work. And I believe these influential characters like Hef are that like thing that's trying to pry it apart and keeps going over and over damaging society yeah man and to top it off with this crazy story about half and this is directly linked to half this isn't like one of his associates it said that he raped sherry aldred when she was five years old and they filed complaints to the los angeles police department and they scrubbed it the police department scrubbed it and then they reopened the case now i want to read what they said when they reopened the case after questioning mr hefner we understood that he had mountains of incriminating personal information about a powerful group of hollywood pedophiles we are talking about dead girls on altars women being caged and tortured for years hollywood execs filming each other performing the vilest acts for blackmail as the most evil acts are always done on the most innocent. We were building up to one of the biggest pedophile raids in history, certainly the biggest in this city of my lifetime. We were working out a plea deal with him so we could get our hands on the physical evidence and really go after the pedophiles, but then we found him dead. So now you start thinking, was Hef, did Hef really die of natural causes? Hugh Hefner didn't kill himself. <laughs> it's the same shit, Sean. I know. I agree. It's the same thing. History repeating itself. Actually, before. Then it repeated itself. I'm just saying that he oh, was back literally to back. Back, back to, to ba back. Dang, dang, yeah. 2017. And then uh, Epstein was 2018, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, back to back. And well, I will say, though, all the things that we've talked about on this episode, I did reach out to Playboy. And I was like, hey, do you guys have any comments? This is all I got back. I didn't do fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah, dog. <laughs> Booyah, dog. And no, 100%. It is Hugh Epstein. You know what I mean? It, it's uh, <laughs> That's how I see it. Jeffrey 
Hefner. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same person. Right. It's the same characteristics. And there's more of these people. That's the thing. These are the ones that we know about. You think there's not more of these situations in other countries that we have no information on when we're stuck online that maybe if someone sends us a picture, then we know about that, but we can't verify a lot of things. This is still going on. These are governmental honeypots, and this is how they keep people in check. Yeah, and one of the things that Hef did as well that's very similar to what a lot of politicians do now or a lot of elites do right now, but he did it in a time period where the internet wasn't what it is, and even before the internet, really. He would invite over these journalists to his house, all the top journalists, because you got to think these guys are the ones writing about you, right? So you want them saying the best stuff because you think about it, there was nothing bad put out about Hef at all until he died. That's when you started getting these documentaries and these deep, dark crevices because they don't care anymore. He's gone. They offed him. So then they're like, you know, it's not going to surprise me in five to 10 years if it comes out about all of this like pedophile stuff that was going on with him. That could come out too. But he used to invite these journalists over to his house and he had microphones and cameras everywhere, even outside. So the butler said that they were hidden even in the plants and he would catch them doing things. I mean, come on, man, there's women everywhere. So he would catch them doing things that were messed up, especially if they were like married or something like that. And then what does he have on a blackmail? Now he can control his narrative in the media. And that happens in all media now. But the fact of the matter was back then, it was TV newspapers. Zit. You didn't have internet. So that's the best way to control his narrative was to keep them boxed in. And he constantly invited them over. Oh, yeah, come over. Have a, have a good time. See that I'm not the guy you think I am. And then you find out he is the guy you think he is, but then you yeah, done screwed man. up. It's these idols. And this is another one that we've taken down. It's down in the ground. We don't care. We don't care if they're already in the ground. We're going to dig that body back up and we're going <laughs> to hold you accountable. And then we're going to throw you even deeper down because I think, in my opinion, after just, and there's even more, like you said, that we could go even deeper. I mean, we only have so much time to different topics that we dive in through our life. And I know that if we go deeper, it's going to get worse, man. Like, And there is going to be a time, I believe, that we know a little bit more and it's going to be even dis more disgusting than we already know. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think they'll, they'll give it some time and they'll start slowly releasing this stuff. And it's just like with Epstein. Now that he's gone, they don't really care. They'll say whatever they want to about him. The only thing they want to keep, you know, to the vest is who was going to the island or who was connected with him. That's all they're going to try to, you know, keep underground. So don't idolize anybody. Listen to yourself. Critically think. Listen to some information that you get from these people, and they may be psyops, not psyops. We don't know that, but do not take their word for everything. You got your own life. Live it. Fuck you, Hefner. But you can follow us at Kill the Mockingbirds Podcast on Instagram, Van Tesla Music on Instagram, Sean Chris Music on Instagram, Kill the Mockingbirds Telegram. Again, the dot com is coming soon. Kill the Mockingbird.com. You will be there very soon. And when it's welcomed in that summertime, you'll be gracious and like, wow, I can't believe I'm in here. But before that, you could just chill with us by giving us a five-star review or go into our music, man. Share our music. Joel Thomas, Sean Chris, 
on every streaming platform you can find. You will hear a song at the end of every single podcast. Hit the links. Yeah, before we get out of here, though, I'm going to give my baby, Jen Saki a little shout out. Listen, baby, I got that Hugh Hefner swag, but I'm going to treat you right. That ginger loving, and we're going to have babies, baby. Sweet, redheaded, Nephilim, ginger babies, going to grow up in a great home to rule the world. And you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Brat! Brat! Bird killers! I'm taping my dick and my balls to my leg. I'm taking these white up balloons and I'm stuffing my bra. Just in my wig, bikini Chanel. I joined the women's beach volleyball league. I'm spiking the ball so hard the concussion, so I'm hitting the heads. It's only technique. One shot, two shot, three shot, four. Five shot, six shot, seven shot, more. I love me some Kamala. She is phenomenal, proving that anything's possible. From side chick to Montel. She must be a minor the way that she worked all the shots to get to the top of the capital. Almost forgot about Brandon. Still stuttering all of his speeches. Cue up the clap track. Green screen some more people. Rachel Levine sat clapped. Everybody worked up about yes. Elon. Buying Twitter like he gon' save us. Left and right squabbling while he got chips for your heads. Calling him courageous. No bueno. I answered and no one start calling me NATO. Digital trees on the way though. Get you a bowl of Alfredo. It's a woke summer. I need another booster. Before I hit the beach, BLM on my koozie. Coming in some stove, beyond me looking juicy. Checking on your privilege, they them drop your booty. It's a woke summer. I need another booster. Let's party in a mansion. Let's call Patrice Colors. Virtue signal every damn flag but my own. the covid hoes on tinder turn a nuclear summer into a covid winter these are moments to remember as i puffing on my ember moderna and pfizer time to go on a bender don't assume my gender purple bang just a blocker non-binary doctor betty cocker fighting all mess monsters mild carditis playing soccer Klaus Schwab storing homeworm blockers Kick rock, slap ass at the Oscars. Yellow and blue emoji. It's a woke summer. I need another booster. Before I hit the beach, BLM on my koozie. Coming in some stove. Beyond me looking juicy. Checking on your privilege. They them drop your booty. It's a woke summer. I need another booster. Let's party in a mansion. Let's call Patrice Colors. Virtue signal every damn flag but my own. Sincerely, NPC sincerely. Yeah. What the elites and these kids have in common? What? They spoil rotten. Don't egg them on, it's a problem. Walk around the shells when you carry that cotton. This life is 26.2. When you throw Medusa, who you point to? Newfound thinker, I'm an NFT. But the caveat is you can't purchase me. Small contract got contingencies. I'm silent with solidity. Oh, your VPN still collect data. Metaverse isn't in beta. From a trap house to a blockchain. Yeah. It's 
the same thing. As to what with the whip and the gust with the chicken, it's all just a vision. Let's hide it with lines. How many of us is in a quandary? How many? I'm just one. Let's glance at the stars. One way ticket to Mars. Who's the subject for the cars? We gotta do it for cars. They a sneaky little fox. But I'm Jamie, give them bars. Sit a sit up by the law. I keep it 300 in my car. Of course, I'm boosted both ways. I'm riding my horse. Butter to the ones of remorse. I picked a degree and still have some work. Not legend free, and I'm not the first to pay. Gas isn't bad, and puts are worse. Starting to see you guys ain't way. V, you just wanna make things work. 